I want to welcome on our next guest, Nick Ashby from NBC Sports Washington, the co-host of EC Sports Live. You also see him at 106.7 The Fan on the radio. Nick, how you doing? Good, man. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. I'm ready to kind of go outside without masks, but that's not going to be for a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how are you adjusting to the quarantine? Is there anything you're doing now that you're like, I never thought I'd be doing this? Yeah, what I'm doing right now is Zoom, like just nonstop. <laughs> it's just like nothing but Zoom. I've got a whole setup in my house now. And it's cool. Like I had a little bit of equipment here, but like, you know, with our show, we were always in studio on set. There's not a lot of this yeah. like inboxes from different locations now. And, you know, with this, with TV, with everything else, like everybody else is doing, we're all kind of improvising. I'll say this though, like, it is kind of cool to see the capabilities that we all do have. Now, not every industry certainly is, has the capabilities to be able to do this, but a lot do with working remotely and people being able to do so many different things from all over the country. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the workforce changes, I think, when a lot of companies realize I can have people at home. Maybe they can sleep a little longer. They don't have to commute. Like A lot of these things will certainly evolve as things go on. And then, of course, the sports world is going to have its own things that will change on top of that too. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's nice that we all still have try to keep up as best we can doing what we can with all this. Absolutely. Especially in terms of kind of like keeping some of the same things when things do go, go back to normal. I think a lot of people that are working nine to five jobs that have to pay to park at the building. They're like, wait a minute, I can do, I just did this at home for two months for free. Yeah. I'll be there three days a week. The rest I'm going to be sitting in my living room. So it's, it's, I think it's going to be interesting. It's a weird kind of culture shock. And I also think in terms of, especially with the draft, I think they can take some of those elements and implement it in future drafts, especially when they do have a live green room. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually doing an uh, interview with uh, ESPN Richmond the other day, and they brought up the same thing. And I thought it was, a, it was a really good point. And you sort of bring up the same thing where that's really going to evolve as well, yeah. how the draft broadcast is done. Now, like guys, we remember, would sometimes stay at home. It's not like yeah. every single top pick necessarily wanted to just be at the draft. Some of them like being at home with their family, but I find it interesting because if you think back, I think it was a week or so after the draft, John Lynch was doing an interview and he was like, honestly, we're going to have more of our staff spend some of this time at home more and Mm. realize that we can work remotely because you get sort of that combination of work-life balance, which we know is so important. And it's really hard as a head coach, even as a coordinator, assistant coach, a general manager, any of these high positions, not just in the NFL, but clearly every sport, but even if we just focus on the NFL, these are positions that demand a ton of your time. So to have them be in a position where they can spend time with their family while still working. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where I think all of the American workforce and really around the world in a lot of places too, we're going to find out we have the capabilities for people to have a little more of that balance yet still get things done. It's also about trusting the people that you hire, certainly as a general manager or a coach, whatever, that they're going to get that work done because they care, but yet also still get to spend some time doing some other stuff. And the mental side of that, I think will make a big difference too. Absolutely. I think definitely there's going to be things that of course people want to be where they they're supposed to be. But I think a a lot of employers in the future will realize like, Oh, they did a pretty sufficient job and I didn't have to be standing over their head. So it's going to be, I I just heard an interview today. Karan Butler is doing an interview and they asked him if he was still in the NBA and they said, we want to put you in a bubble would you be okay with leaving your family? And he gave an answer. I haven't heard anybody else say, he said, I've been with them for 50 days. I think it'll be okay. And that was something, I think that maybe a lot of people might have that perspective. Yeah. The, the bubble thing is certainly interesting. And I mean, if you look at the logistics that all yeah. of these leagues are going to have to go through starting up and let's obviously fan, no fans right now. We, yeah. we, I just don't anticipate that yeah. happening. I could see the NFL possibly trying to find ways. I know the dolphins already have a plan out there to have like 
15% capacity. And then that's, they're not the only team that has discussed this. I do know that I talked to somebody over the weekend that potentially told me the same thing that the NFL has plans in place for something similar to what the dolphins are doing. It obviously depends on the state, but yeah, it's, it, it's just, we're going to have to accept that at least for the rest of this year and probably for beyond for, you know, gradual steps, things are just going to look different and there's going to be sacrifices made in every industry and in, certainly in sports where I know, yeah, you like to have fans there for playoff games. It's just not going to happen, you know, but you'd like to have uh, the ability to have everybody there within the organization games. You're probably going to have to decide, okay, who's most important for game day personnel? How do we keep these players safe and isolated and make sure we have enough testing? And also keep in mind, if you're the NBA, for example, and you're able to give your players tests every couple of days, you got to make sure that the rest of the public also has those. Yes. That's a really bad look if you're the NBA. And they've acknowledged this already, that if they have enough tests for everybody to get all the tests they want, but the rest of the country doesn't, that just looks bad on them. So it, there are just so many factors that go into this. But make no mistake about it, follow the money. And there is a lot of money in these seasons being continued, and they will find a way to do whatever they can to get those sports back out there in some capacity. Absolutely. I think as they said, the NBA, there's like 850 million on the line and that's on the back of their head every day. And especially in terms of the fan situation, the main thing I always think of is they could say, okay, we're going to space out all the fans. I'd think of, okay, anytime you go to a basketball game, you go to a Wizards game, halftime, everybody flocks to one area. So tell me, so tell me how there's obviously probably not going to be any vendors. That's not going to happen. And how do they get people safely out when the game's over? Were they going to call individual sections? Yeah. So I've actually seen that as, as one of the plans that they're considering where it's almost, you have, you know, every third row is fans and then they're split up unless it's obviously, I guess like families, they'd figure that out where, you know, every couple of seats between them and it's a kind of a single file. And I don't know, are you going to have to hire more ushers in that case? And, but see, what the questions you're asking are not only valid questions, yeah. but is what makes this so difficult. And you're going to be put in situations where you're going to think you've got it all down. And then there's going to be more questions that arise just because you're immersed in it. And you've covered 30 bases, but there's five more things that sort of show up later on as opposed to my phone is ringing. This is always good. I, I, I yeah. never follow the rules, right? I should actually have it on silent when I'm doing this with you. But, like, that's it, Zach. Like, you're going to have all these different rules yeah. that you're going to have to change in stadiums to allow this. And then, it's it, look, I'll just say this. I am so glad I am not somebody that has to make these decisions because no. it takes a lot of brain power and a lot of people meeting to try to come up with what works and what wouldn't. Yeah, especially they guys probably have some of the smartest minds. It's not like it's just since this is happening around the globe. It's not just in this country, right? We have the smartest people in the country all think together. We have the, the smartest people in every country are all in individual places with the same goal and we're still not there yet. So it's a, they must, it's gotta be, if what, I'm sure somebody's going to have the idea and it's going to, it's going to click, but it hasn't been said yet because not, we'd have games going on right now. And listen, I I count on these. I've always found it fascinating just getting the, like the schedule out every year. When you think of what actually has to go into like coordinate all these teams and where they're going to travel. We got people that can do that. I, I, I I have confidence that these things will be done right. We just, we do have to be patient with that and understand that, it's just not going to be what we're used to for a little while. And it's, it's, it's certainly going to be better than nothing. And in the end, I think every sports fan is going to be ecstatic that they're in this position to just watch some semblance of sports. Even if the stadiums are empty, the arenas are empty, you still have the games you want to watch, which ultimately is the most important thing anyway. How much would you give right now to see Ances Pastasnitz go for a layup against the Hawks? Look at you. By the way, I, I'm proud of you because you've gone, what, how long have we been on this? For at least like 10 minutes or whatever. And you have not made a pasta snacks joke or anything close to that yet. You've been very mature. So there's Thank the you. Zach that I know. It's some really terrible joke. <laughs> but yes, I would love to see it right yeah. now. I'd take anything. I, 
man, I miss, and it was, it was really cool because I was doing the, uh, with Chris Miller and Wes Hall, we were doing the, the simulation broadcast, and, and that was fun, and, it, and we got really creative to be able to do that, and we're certainly doing a lot of the network with classic games and looking yeah. back on those moments, but it, it only wets the whistle so much. Like, ultimately, we still do want to have live sports and new sports. It's, it's nice to see all these old games, and it's been yeah. a lot of fun in the simulations, but it only goes so far before that's just ultimately what we want. Absolutely. I know the NBC is aired. They aired the 70 finals, which is awesome. I know they had some perspective. They got the Chenier and I forget the other guy they had on there is awesome. I know I think tomorrow they're airing the Paul Pierce cycle game. I was actually there. That's by really? far, by there, by yeah. far the best sporting event I've ever been to. I see most of the time Capital One, well, I think it was Verizon at the time. They only mm-hmm. get loud during free throws in the fourth quarter because I know there's a chicken sandwich on the line. I've never heard energy like that in there before. And it was just something like you, you had to be, I don't think that the TV even did it justice. I think it was yeah. just, it's wild. It was insane. That, that team was a lot of fun to watch. Oh my God. Pierce and that, you know, it's a shame because I think back to that too. And, you know, there was just injuries get in the way of yeah. a lot of things that could have happened with that group. And specifically John Wall, I, I just, I can't wait to see him back on the court with all this extra time, fully healthy and really see kind of how he's evolved as a player. But yeah, man, I think back to that team and it, it shows too, like you, you think back to that and, and Paul Pierce did make a big difference because you've got that veteran leader and it's, yes. it's so important. I think when people are building rosters, you don't always think about locker room guys and clubhouse guys. And it's really important. Even if the guy's not necessarily, let's say at the level they used to be way up yeah. here to still have that ability to be a voice in the locker room and extension of the coaching staff out there on the court, on the field, whatever it is, that makes a big difference for a team. Absolutely. And I think when you're talking about how injury-ridden that team was, I'm almost certain, 95% sure, Will Bynum was on the floor in those final seconds for the Wizards. That's how depleted they were. Will Bynum was sitting. I'd have to go back. You know what? That's a hell of a memory if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, because that's wild. So flipping over to football, we just had the draft a couple weeks ago. Everybody's, everybody, you can't go wrong with Chase Young. Who else that they grabbed do you think, okay, this guy, this guy's intriguing? I really like Antonio Gibson, man. I'm, re- I'm excited about both the Antonios, right? It's going to be both, yeah. you know, <laughs> Gandy Golden and Gibson. But, but those two guys are very different uh, players, right? I yeah. think we can agree. You've got one that's more of a go up and catch it, not very fast receiver necessarily, and Gandy Golden. But then you also then have Antonio Gibson, who I know a lot of people are comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to be that player. He likely will not get to that mm-hmm. level. If he's lucky, it would be close. But there's another player that I actually remember that I think that if it's, you know, the Redskins get four or five years at this level is going to be really good. And it's Dexter McCluster. Mm. People forget years ago in Kansas City, that was sort of who he was. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? They'd line him up in the slot, line him up in the backfield. He was a punt returner and kick returner. Injuries eventually slowed his career. I think he sort of wound up with the Chargers. I want to say he was with them like a year ago. And then injuries sort of, honestly, I don't know what has happened to him at this point. But he was somebody that was a big weapon for Kansas City. And you just – you need that. You need guys that are versatile. And it's clear that Ron Rivera has, a, like, a certain type of player, yeah. right? Like, Chase Young reminds me a lot of Julius Peppers. Yeah. And if he's Julius Peppers in his prime, pretty damn good. I'll take that. But if Antonio Gibson can be, let's say, close to what Christian McCaffrey is, not on that level, but somebody that's clearly a weapon, can do multiple things, maybe a little of Dexter McCluster, okay. Like, that, that's good, and that's value for what they got. They need those extra weapons – and they've been able to get them in this draft and also with, you know, Thaddeus Moss' free agency minutes after the draft ended, which I think was very underrated. He's still yeah. an undrafted rookie tight end. Let, let's pump the brakes. I know the name makes everybody really excited, but they certainly got some youth and some potential talent at that position. So I like overall, I'm, I'm really happy with what the Redskins did in the draft, given the really the limitations. They, could, they needed more picks and they weren't able to get those.
Yeah, I, I love the pick. I love Gibson. I love Gandy Golden, as you were saying. And then I feel like a lot of the guys, they, they really – I feel like in past drafts, they've just gone for the conventional pick. And I feel like when past years, especially for the Redskins, the offense has been so predictable. You, you knew last year after, oh. after um, Gruden was gone, you knew that they were going to run the ball three times every time. I literally said, like, I thought we invented the forward pass by now. They, they would have run it. They would have run it five times if they could run it five times. Like, it was – they were. They were incredibly predictable, and that's why we knew. It's like you're not going to see Dwayne Haskins develop if that's the position that he's put in. You just – you have to have some variety. you yeah. got to be able to run the football. Like, yes. people forget that you still need to be able to run the football to yes. establish the pass in the NFL. Like, that, that, that hasn't changed, but just show some creativity, and you just had such old-school football. And, by the way, just from a – not even a game plan perspective, but just from a fan's perspective, watching that going, please, just, just do something other than running the football – three yards up the middle. I can't take it anymore. So yeah, they, they, they've certainly added some weapons and some versatility. And if Bryce Love can contribute this year yeah, coming off definitely. that torn ACL when they drafted him, he was potentially a first round talent, maybe second round that they got later because of that injury. If Darius Geis, I hope can finally stay healthy for a season and Adrian Peterson continues to at least just be the, the rock solid contributor that he is. They, they've got a solid backfield. Yeah, I think they've definitely got some talent. I think it was the Panthers game last year. You really saw kind of guys get into his zone. I think he, he I think he, what do you have, uh, at, least, oh, at least over 100 yards and either yeah, one or two yeah. touchdowns. But yeah. that's, that's it. And so this is yeah. coming into year number three, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be a deciding year. And I think Peterson's going to get the, he's going to be, be the number one on the depth chart going forward. But you're going to see if guys can take that from him. Well, it's, it's kind of been his job to take for the last yeah. couple of seasons, right? Yeah. Like you were kind of hoping as rookie year that was going to be the case. And then the minute preseason starts, he tears up his knee and that's it. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's frustrating because it wouldn't be the first time in sports history that, you know, an athlete with a lot of talent had his career either derailed yeah. or slowed or whatever the case is. Clearly, his story is not written yet, but we have yeah. some chapters already in there. Yeah. And the main headline of all of them has been injuries. So yeah. you really hope that he can just stay healthy this year so we can really get an opportunity to see what type of player he's going to be. Absolutely. And since we, really, we don't know the schedules out yet, if you were to make a prediction, how do you think this season's going to fare? So I see these predictions of like the Redskins over-under set at like four and a half wins, like all over the place. I'm taking the over on that because Interesting. all they got to do is win six games to get over that. And, and I think Ron Rivera and that team healthy is a six-win team. I, yeah. They were so decimated by injuries the last couple of seasons. It, granted, they were terrible by the end of last year, but yeah. nobody cared. Like we, we saw Dwayne Haskins trying to get that offensive line into the game at all. And he was just, go. it was like Dwayne Haskins was the new guy at a failing company. And he was just like, come on guys, we can do this. Let's pick things up. And they're like, dude, we're all going under. We're all going to get laid off soon. It doesn't matter anymore. Like that was the, the, the difference between the two attitudes. But now with a whole new coaching staff and a new, just this fresh start and a feeling of something that feels like adults are actually running the show. You have yeah. grownups in charge now, which is a nice change of pace for them. I don't think they're even a 500 team yet, but they have a lot of young talent on this team where it's enough to get at least six wins. And I can feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I think just Ron Rivera's presence just kind of restores hope, especially if at least at least the DC fan base. Cause you, you saw last year, just, people were just like, you know what? I really don't want to, I don't really want to waste my time, but you, you literally see, okay, new year. And then all of a sudden ding, Ron Rivera is the new head coach of the Washington Redskins. People are like, all right, I like this. I like this track we're going on. You add some contributors and free agency. You bring back Kendall Fuller who's a fan favorite. And then you go ahead and add D, uh, Chase Young, who you can't go wrong with. I think they're making the, the right steps. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be confident to pencil them in for the playoffs anytime soon, but I think they're going they're in the right direction, which they were in the past few years. 
Yeah, but you also know how the, the NFL is. Like, yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to do this, but you have the worst of first teams every year. Yeah. And that's what yeah. makes the NFL so great. Yeah. I don't think the Redskins are that team, but I do see them winning more than oh, yeah. four games. But it is crazy because you've already seen the, the predictions of Redskins having like the number one pick next year. Can you imagine if after all this, then it's tank for Trevor and then we're having the same conversation <laughs> about taking a quarterback with a first round pick again. I Like, this team, no matter what, it's in their DNA, though, for there to be some sort of controversy yes. around them, even with grown-ups in charge. Absolutely, yeah. And I also saw there's some great left tackle from uh, Oregon. So if Haskins is the guy, and they can, if they don't do as well, and they can get a great left tackle, I'm not complaining. So well, yeah. that, that would be your hope, right? Like the hope yeah. would be that your first-round pick at quarterback actually works out so you yeah. can fill in other positions versus having to just nullify that pick, wasting yeah. it, and then starting all over with somebody else. But – I mean, listen, if they were in this position next year and you think that there's a better guy that can lead your team at quarterback, just like we've said this year, you've got to take that in consideration if you're the team. But I'm saying this now going, why are these words coming out of my mouth? Please, no, I don't want this to be a conversation. But we know how this whole thing works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Then switching gears over to basketball. So everybody's been watching The Last Dance. It's been phenomenal. I think it's been everything and more than people have expected. You kind of saw that in its heyday. What what has really kind of caught your attention that you're like, oh, I never knew that? Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing is, is, is if I'm going back to the whole thing – watching the, the Scottie Pippen dynamic and sort of the drama with the team and his contract and that whole issue, like everybody talking about player empowerment and wanting yeah. to get traded now and guys and their contracts. And, and this isn't new. Like this has gone on before. So to bring that to the forefront and by the way, I, like seven years, 18 million is, is insane to think about now, even back then that was a really small contract, yeah. but he wanted that security earlier in his career. So you understand in the moment why he signed that. But to see that dynamic and see sort of the struggles of that team and the way that they started off at the beginning of their final season together and then hearing more about Jerry Krause and wanting to break up this team and like the drama that surrounded it. And this is what I'll always say. Great teams and great players as it, we get farther and farther away from the end of whatever their, their story was. We tend to have the negative stuff fade into the distance, right? Yeah. Like our mind gets blurry when it comes to all of the bad things that happened. We only remember the successes, how great the Bulls were, six championships, Jordan winning. They, they forget a missed free throw at the end of the, yep. the, that one game against the Cavs or, you know, a three for 18 game. And all of these things that Jordan or the Bulls did that weren't successes, people have forgotten. So to see some of this and see some of the drama around it, you realize like today's NBA in that aspect is not that much different. Is there more player empowerment now? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. it, it's, it's not the same that it was then, but to get that aspect of it is it was, I, I think it's, it's an eye opener for a lot of NBA fans and sports fans. Yeah, I think if that was happening today, I think Jerry Krause would be out the door before before All Star break and the right. initial season. That that wouldn't happen. It, right. It's about the by player. the way, isn't he? Doesn't he just make a great villain? Even though he's sort of yeah. getting picked on by passed, the team, he, he's he a passed villain. away. He passed away, yeah, and they're still piling him. I'm like, they, 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 I'm like, I'm like, it's wrong, but like, they must have not like this guy at all. That 20 yeah. years later, that 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 fire's still there, which is wild. It's 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 wild. And then is this making you appreciate Michael Jordan more than you did? Yeah, and I mean, listen, when Jordan retired, I was like. What, I guess like 12 when he retired, not the first time, but he retired the last time with the Bulls. Yeah. So, like I got to watch him play to a point, but I only got to see him play in person when he was with the Wizards. And I was a little bit older at that point. But of course, obviously I watched him growing up, even as, you know, a nine, 10 year old, really just starting to get into the NBA. But yeah, I, I certainly, I've seen the LeBron era from beginning to end. Like I wasn't born when Jordan was drafted. So like, I didn't get to see his career from beginning to end. So even for somebody like me, that was sort of in the middle of, of that era i got to experience a little bit more of it through this so far as you know some people they saw the whole thing and now they've seen all the lebron you can have the conversations however you want but i think no matter what like 
everybody's certainly learning and seeing more from this, from the behind the scenes to the stories. I'm excited to see the Steve Kerr one next because we've heard this forever about him punching Steve Kerr to get a little more on this. I think it's going to be really exciting too. I think it's been fantastic. I think they, I think they, they hit it just right with the Rodman episode. I think people wanted to kind of see Dennis Rodman, but not really see Dennis Rodman. Yeah, so, and, and, and by the way, let me point this out. Like the scene where he's drinking a beer, then gets on a motorcycle while taking a vacation <laughs> from the team in the middle of the season to go to Vegas. Can awesome. you imagine any player today going through that and it not blowing up on social media? Like that's the other thing. It's fascinating to me to watch this and think, what if social media had existed then? Like, it didn't exist for any of this. So these guys got away with so much oh. compared to today where you can't sneeze and then snot on yourself without it becoming a meme that's all over social media in five minutes. Yeah, and one player can follow somebody else and all of a sudden there's 15 articles coming up. And yes. goes, oh, do they want to trade? Like, it, it, it's a mental well, they, Even worse when they unfollow someone, right? And it's like, oh, oh. Oh, they're gone. It's over. It's yeah. over. It's wild. That's interesting. It's, it's wild. And then do you think that they're going to kind of end it with – do you think they'll include any of the Wizards, Jordan stuff in this, or do you think they're going to cap it at 98? I think they got to at least reference it. Because when we saw this first, it was kind of like the, the, the conversation was it's following the Bulls in their last yeah. season together. But they've done a lot of let's go back and look at the early years of various stories kind of leading up to then what's going on in that current year. And I like it. I know some people apparently haven't liked the nonlinear format the way they're doing this. <laughs> I like it because personally I think it's a little different. And it, it allows you to kind of – even if you know the story that they're telling, you're seeing it in a different way. And you also don't necessarily know what's coming. So it's really kept my attention in that way. But you can't ignore the Jordan Wizards era. And, and by the way, he was still an all-star at like 40 years old playing for the Wizards. That, that's part of still his greatness. So they, they, they better show it. But I would bet that it's probably just like, you know, it's a little salt bay sprinkle at the end. And that's all that they do. I think the breakout star of this, even though he has passed away, is that security guard. Because this guy, I heard, I heard that they interviewed him before he passed away, and it's going to be in it. So it's coming oh, forward. Good. They interviewed him, and I'm like, this guy, I'm like, as soon as I saw him, it just, it just, it just stood a smile on my face. When I, when I see the guy who was walking around with his jerry curling, and they're throwing quarters, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I'm like, and then the shrug. Yeah, and the shrug, the shrug. I'm like, I'm like, so great. this guy is awesome. <laughs> like, this guy's, like, he's watching it right now. Like, this is awesome. But yeah, this has been fantastic. And then before I let you go, if, assuming the NBA season resumes, whatever the NBA season resumes, who do you think is going to take it home? Well, if we're going to kind of look at the way things were going before it stopped, uh, I'm still really on that Clippers train. I, I really, I do like the Lakers, but I, the Clippers are deeper. They're much better defensively. And I just, you've got Kawhi and you've got a team with Paul George. Like I, I love LeBron. I, I'm not one of those LeBron haters at all, but I, I think that Clippers team is just built even better for the playoffs. What if Durant returns to Brooklyn? Wait, say that again. What if Durant, Durant comes back? This is what happens with technology, right? Sometimes it breaks up. If yeah. Durant, I don't think Durant's coming back this year. Yeah, you don't think so? Kinda, just not say so why like honestly if you're Durant like okay here's the thing so they're gonna probably be a seventh seed even yeah. if they play some games left right like he hasn't played with this team at all yet there's no chemistry with them he's not only coming back just to get in basketball shape from like a layoff like a lot of the team but then also he's got to come back from one of the most devastating injuries that a player can have in basketball I, yeah. I just don't think it makes any sense this time around wait till next season whatever the offseason is they're gonna have more time work with Kyrie. They all can get out there together. Chemistry is so important in basketball to rush it and go out there now. It just, he's not going to be at his best. The team's not going to be at its best. And all that does is create more distractions of, well, can this team win? Is Durant going to be good enough? Is Durant going to be the same Durant? Give him more of an opportunity to just have a full off season to work with this team, get Kyrie back and start from, you know, square one. 
And then one last, one last. I know you're a big Luca guy. You've seen what Zion could do. You have the number one pick. Any player, they're both on the table. Who you, who you leaning? Oh, it's Luca. Come on now. You really? know the answer to that. You know I love Luca. Luca has so much more upside than Zion. It's not even funny. Look, Zion is flashy. He's incredibly athletic, and we don't know what he is because we've never seen anything no. like it. But Luca's almost averaging a triple double in his second year in the league. The guy's gonna be MVP before he's 25. Right? He's he's an incredible player. He's just not as flashy because he's not that quick and he's not that athletic. And there's a chance that this is his peak, right? Like yeah. what we're seeing now, he may be this way, but he doesn't get better than this, but he does it for eight or nine more years. Well, I take 30 points, nine assists, and like nine rebounds a game from a guy for the next eight or nine years. He's incredible. And what always stood out to me about him before he got drafted was that he was the MVP of the EuroLeague as a teenager. Most of these, these overseas leagues, young players don't even get any playing time, let alone a chance to be an MVP. So he's tested. He's not scared to go against people that are older and, and better than him. And he clearly has the ability to work hard and improve and get better because he's shown that already in year two. Yeah, I remember one of my second cousins, he's covered, he, he lives in Europe, he's, he's covered kind of European sports forever. So I'm always asking him because he's covered some of the lower leagues in Europe. And I was, I was, I'm always asking him about like some of the big name prospects that when they kind of come around and you hear their name around draft time. And I said, what do you think of Dragon Bender? He goes, I don't know. He said, what do you think of Luca? He goes, you're going to like this kid. Yeah, yeah so, he's good, man. He can play. Yeah, he that's awesome. Play. Yeah. All right, before I let you go, what, what, how can people follow you on social media? At Nick Ashew on Twitter, Nick underscore Ashew on Instagram. It's a whole thing. The other right, Nick cool. Ashew in the world has mine. We need to switch. <laughs> it's sort of related. It's a thing. I'll tell the story some other time with this. Uh, yeah, that's it, man. All right, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, we can get back to the office. I don't even remember where my, my key card is. So, uh, okay. yeah. so We actually took it away from you because you made too many bad jokes. Yeah, it's probably for the best. <laughs>